Well, uh, welcome. We're glad you're here on Mother's Day again. My name is Andy Malcolm, for those of you that are, are new with us today. Uh, I'm the small groups pastor here at Grace. Uh, Joel Owen, our lead pastor, is in Nicaragua with that mission team, and he's serving down there. So uh, we got a variety of things planned for you today that we're excited about. Um, we have been going through the book of First Peter uh, for the last couple of weeks. And um, there have been a, a couple things that we've talked about and that Joel has emphasized so far about living a holy life. First, holiness is vitally connected to the obedient, being obedient to God. And second, Peter uses a lot of family language to describe why we should strive to be holy. First of all, we are chosen. Secondly, we are given new birth, he says. And we are to crave spiritual milk like a newborn baby. And then he says in chapter 2, once you were not a people, not part of a family, but now you are the people of God. You're part of God's family. Well, within our new life as a part of God's family, there's an expectation for holiness in our individual lives and collectively as a church. Because we are called to strive for holiness together. So on Mother's Day, we are excited to think about how this calling to holiness gets lived out through the avenue of the home. In two weeks, Joel will be back. He'll be speaking more about holiness from the home standpoint uh, as First Peter addresses husbands and wives. But for now, for today, one of my favorite stories of a mom in the Bible goes back to the Old Testament. And interestingly, the reason I like this mom so much is because of how her daughter-in-law views her. Her name is Naomi, and you find her story in the book of Ruth. And in her story, things don't start off very well. Within a 10-year period, she loses her husband, and she loses both her sons to death. She is in such despair about the turn that her life has taken, that she's asked people to call her a different name. She wants people to call her Mara, which means the Almighty has made my life very bitter. But here's the powerful part of that story. She was such an appealing person that one of her daughters-in-law, Ruth, wanted to leave her homeland and go back and return to Judah with Naomi. Even in the grief that she experienced, this mom had a life that was attractive to Ruth. Naomi tried to get Ruth to return to her people, and Ruth begged her to let her stay. She said, no, I want to go with you. I want to go back to your homeland, back to Judah. And she said one of the most famous lines in all of Scripture. In fact, we sang, or we'll sing that song today. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Now, how many of you are going to be hanging out with your mother-in-law if your spouse dies? Some. I see some hands go up, but maybe not many. But Naomi was a special woman. She had something that Ruth saw that was beautiful. She had raised the son that Ruth had married. Even in sadness, she had a faith that was unshakable. Naomi was gracious and kind to Ruth all throughout her own grief experience. 
Another reason I love this story is because it shows the reality of life. Parenting is hard. Loving and losing is tragic. The story of Ruth and Naomi is about God using brokenness in a person's past to bring about an amazing, unforeseen future. Naomi's life wasn't perfect. She didn't have it all together. But she walked with God through her pain. Well, this morning, we want to talk to some of our own moms. Moms from our faith family here at Grace. And get them to share some of their experiences about being a mom. They've all done it a little bit differently. It's all, it looks a little bit different, differently for all the moms that you're going to see up here on stage. We're not trying to put people on a stage as the perfect models of parenting and faith. None of them have it all together. None of us have it all together. We all have challenges and flaws that we face in life. But as we talk this morning, maybe you will find out that you aren't alone in something that you are going through. Maybe you'll find somebody to identify with and be encouraged by. So, with that in mind, uh, there's a few moms that have volunteered to, to come on up here, and you can make your way. And as they're making their way up here, would you give them a hand? And if you're a mom, stand up, and we're going to just recognize and appreciate all our moms here this morning. So, every mom, stand up and clap for them and help these moms that are coming up here feel a little bit more comfortable as they make their way. And we're going to get... The microphone's all set up for them. That's okay. Nobody wants to sit by me. Let me move this out of the way here, too. Well, uh, these moms have, have uh, were asked if they would be able to, wouldn't mind taking a few minutes to share some of their experiences of motherhood with you. And... Um, we asked these mothers, and one more couldn't make it. Uh, she is sick, and her daughter uh, is sick, and that was Jennifer White. They had just adopted or fostered uh, three kids, and the, the seven, four, and a baby that they had in their home for the last two weeks. Uh, Steve is here. He made it this morning, but Jennifer is sick, and the baby's sick this morning. They were going to share their story as well of what's happened in their home just in the last two weeks. But uh, I'm going to let you guys begin by just... Uh, introducing yourselves and just sharing a little bit about what your family looks like right now. So, Debbie, would you mind beginning, please? Sure. My name is Debbie Porsche, and my family right now looks like um, we're empty nesters, Joey and I. We have three adult children on earth, one child in heaven, and um, that's our family. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks. Go ahead, Debbie. Uh, my name is Gabby Marshall, and I have three kids, 17, 15, and 12, that I just adopted. They've been in my home for about two and a half years, and our adoption was just final in the last week and a half or so. That's great. Give them a hand for that. That's great. All right. Lisa, what about you? Well, mine's kind of colorful. Um, I have two 17-year-old girls, one that I birthed and one that that I adopted um, four years ago. And um, I'm also the parent of horses, dogs, and cats. So. <laughs> so. Well, that counts as well. That's exactly right. All right, Heather, what about you? Tell us about your family. Uh, my name is Heather Standers, and uh, John and I have two daughters, uh, 17 and 14. So um, Lisa and I were just saying that next year we're going to be up here probably in a puddle of tears because they're going to be graduating. So it, it'll all be, you know, we're starting to, tra- to transition, you know, into the grown-up stage. Scary. Sure. Yeah. 
sure. Very scary. That's right. Well, that, that brings up an interesting point of, uh, for our next question, talking about all the, the ups and downs and, and different seasons of life. And so the next question I have for you is, how has being a mom changed how you think about God? For sure, he has a sense of humor. He has a sense of humor. What, what makes you say that? I just think that a lot of the things you know that you struggle with as you know as you're growing up and things like, man, I hope I never have to deal with that. And then they drop a kid in your lap and say, there you go, deal with it. <laughs> so I just think it always comes back around, um, but in a fun way. Kids are fun. So God has a sense of humor. So you need a little bit of that in the home. In the home, what else? What else have you learned about about God from from being a mom? Who would like to go next? Well, I have to say, when I was reviewing the questions that you sent us, I, that was my initial, because I had never planned on being a mom. I was one of those that just wanted to go through college and, you know, get a career and have things, you know, have fun and have things. But um, God had a different plan for me, and so my child was a surprise, and my other child was a surprise. So mm-hmm. he has a great sense of humor, and it's been fun. It's been an experience and a roller coaster, but it's been good. Mm-hmm. So he, he knows what you're supposed to do. He knows. He knows he what does. you're... Right, right, right. What else? Um, I think... It just makes me think um, more in terms of God as a Heavenly Father, like being a mom has helped me understand His unconditional love for us and His willingness to fight and do whatever necessary and... Um, course to the measures that he has done to die for us in the in the case of God but I think being a mom helps you understand that that level of love mm. so that that's helped me understand God more I think as a mom mm. unconditional love great Good. um like I said our we have a baby in heaven and she was whoo, our first one and um when I was pregnant with my second daughter um this man came from California to the church that Joey and I were attending this particular morning. And um, at the end of his sermon, he said, I have a word from the Lord for a couple in this church that's expecting a baby. And um, there were like five or six couples in the church that morning that were expecting babies. And, you know, you don't think that God's going to say anything to you. But um, this guy stood in front of Joey and I and he said... Um, this child, this birth won't be as before. There will be no sorrow. That this baby will be brought forth in joy and delight. And then he said a lot of other things that I didn't hear because I was sobbing after the first sentence, as you can imagine. But at the end of his uh, message to us, he said, she will teach you the ways of God more perfectly. And it was awesome, and it continues to be awesome because, like you said, being a mother shows you the heart of God like nothing else in this world can. The love part, the humor part, the dependence part, all those. And the fact that he knows. I mean, he sent this man from California that Joey and I had never seen before in our lives to just speak peace to us as we were about to give birth to our second child. So mm-hmm. he knows, he sees, he cares, and he he talks. He still has 
words for us today as parents and, and mothers to give us instruction. He knows where we've been. He knows where we're going. He knows what we're getting ready to go through. Good. Well, uh, what challenges then have you faced as a mom? Uh, different seasons of your life, raising a variety of kids, different personalities, different things they've been through. What challenges have you had to face and how have you faced them because of your relationship with, with Jesus? If you'd like to start off. I will. Um, I think, you know, the early stages, you know, babies, toddlers, preschoolers, it's so physically exhausting. Um, you know, you're just, you're just trying to get through the day. Um, and as they get older, you know, they're, they're exhausting when they're little because they're so dependent on you. Mm. But as they get older, um, because they're more independent, the worry is bigger. So I really think you really have to dig deep into your faith and knowing that hopefully what you have prepared them for, um, you've laid the groundwork and hopefully you've laid some faith because as they get more independent, I think it gets a little scarier mm. um, because they're going to be on their own and you're not making their decisions for them anymore and you're just you're taking it off faith that they're going to you know, follow in the correct ways and, and hopefully follow Jesus. And, and um, So the worry is bigger, but the... the uh, the rewards there too. That's a great insight right there. I'm going to write that down. Somebody, will somebody write that down for me? Uh, I don't have a pen with me. Uh, that's a great uh, understanding that as kids get to those teenage years and the, and the worry become, not only becomes different, but maybe it's deeper because you're getting ready to, to lose a sense of, of control during that time. Who else wants to talk about uh, challenges? I think my biggest challenge was trusting God with my kids and thinking that he loves them more than I do and that he can be trusted. There is um, not a scripture in any translation that I've ever read that says, for I know the plans your mom has for you, says the Lord. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. And just coming to the day that um, I realized that best, I am their babysitter and that God is their father. And he loves them and he has a plan and a purpose for their lives far beyond anything that I could Hmm. Lisa, what about you with, with uh, two kids, two teenagers, one uh, born to you and one you adopted in? What have those, how have those challenges been different for you? I'm kind of like her. Um, initially, with, with the baby, and I'm a single mom as well, it's physically exhausting. Um, and then as they get older, it gets more emotionally and mentally exhausting because they are doing their own thing. And then um, when Mateo and I uh, brought Hannah to our family, she bought, or she lost both parents. Um, she lost her mother in eighth grade, and then her dad just last September, or I'm sorry, last February. So just kind of those challenges, dealing with that kind of stuff too. And, and teenagers, you know, when, we, when Hannah joined our family, they were um, 12 years old. All 12-year-old girls love each other. <laughs> and then teenage years happen, and they're independents, and they change, and they're, you know, boys, and they're different. Um, so, so that all has its own challenges and struggles as you step through that. But, but it's all good. And you know what? You put a lot of trust and faith in, in God's will and um, for him to protect them. Because you can't, you can't watch everything they do. You can't guide everything they do. You just have to trust that you've done the best you can and that. 
So we talked about some physical challenges, emotional challenges, the spiritual challenges there. What, what about for you, Gabby, as you've walked this path in the last couple of years uh, with your kids? What's, what challenges have you faced that are kind of unique for you guys? And Mariah's giving you, she's clapping for you already. You haven't even answered. So <laughs> some um, encouragement there. Well, I guess with my kids being the ages that they are, I didn't get the opportunity to kind of instill my values and, you know, the way I think about things as they were growing up. So I I think that was a challenge from the beginning. So that put me in a position to really have to trust God because they are closer to being independent than most most people's children are, you know, as they start to raise them. So I haven't had that many seasons with them. Um, But they are a great group of kids, and I'm I'm very blessed, like, and it's been really awesome just to watch the transition. especially with my oldest as we started attending here and getting more involved with just making friends and youth group and just watching God work through her and um, kind of see a transition in the way she thinks about things and believes in things. So you've been able to watch them not only connect within your, your family and figure out how to get them connected in your home, but watch them and figure out how to help them get connected in the rest of life as well. For sure. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, speaking of challenges, uh, when we all face our challenges, we, it, the, hopefully those challenges drive us to, to a greater dependency on Jesus and following Him. And so this next question is, is as a mom with your schedules and all that you have to manage, how do you, how do you handle and manage your, your time with Jesus? And how do you make that fit into your, your daily or weekly routine? What's that like for you? That's, probably, that's the struggle for me. I, I don't make the time that I need to, and so that's something I'm, I'm constantly that I'll pray about. You know, help me make the time. Help me find the time because I don't always. That's that's one of my shortcomings there. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. It's definitely hard. Mm-hmm. Who else wants to go ahead? When I, when I think about that, me too. I mean, um, at night, bedtime is a great time, but I can't say it's every night. Um, sometimes everybody loves Raymond you know, comes into play. <laughs> but um, but I also feel like every day it's almost a constant prayer, you know, whether it's at work or whether it's at ball games or whether it's whatever. I always find myself going, okay, you know, and, and, and praying. So I feel like I stay connected, but the one-on-one time of that dedicated is definitely challenging. Mm-hmm. You're trying to squeeze it in when you can squeeze at times. But, but constantly having that relationship and, and almost an open prayer conversation, if you will. Right. Whenever it strives. Right. Gabby, what about you? What does that look like for you? I agree. It's a challenge to find time. Um, and thank God for school days. I know because that's, the, that's really the only um, break I have um, to have some peace and alone time. But um, I think Music has always been one of the most powerful things in my life, and worshiping through music is is a big part of my connection with God. And we we tend to listen to you know Christian music in the car, so as we're kind of going about our day and rushing here and there like we always do, that's that's kind of when I find my time to worship. Even though um, might not be alone time, but it's sometimes it's just as powerful to to 
you know, just listen and hear your kids singing along with, with the Christian mm. radio and and realize that, you know, even though some of them, you know, may not be um, ready to to step into um, a relationship with Christ yet, that, you know, they're, they're hearing the message and they're singing along and it's getting in and mm. they're getting there. Right. Things are being planted. Yeah. Things are being watered. Debbie? As an empty nester, it's very easy now because (laughs) I don't have all the day-to-day commitments to my kids. But when they were little, my prayers, my very spirit-filled prayers were, oh, God, help. That was it. That was about it. And the only Bible reading I got in was in the night as I read them bedtime stories and just Mm. thought, okay, Holy Spirit, you know, you get miles out of these stories. Could you help me out here? So... You know, it's, it was hard when they were little. It was hard when they were teenagers. You know, you want to keep yourself right with God, and you feel responsible to keep them right with God. And, you know, just all the, it's, it's hard, but it's super, super important. Well, how, this is a little bit of a unique question. So from the time you started parenting until now, how has your faith informed your decisions as a parent differently now than maybe when it did uh earlier in your in your faith journey as as a parent i think i I understand grace more because you have to extend it so much that i think now as you know it's received as as god has given us grace as well i really appreciate that so much more so uh, grace is always something that the word just keeps you know going through my head you know when we're going through challenges or going through things that you need to go through just like grace so you you recognize times where you have to give it So it reminds you of how you need to get it from him first as well. Who else would like to speak to that a little bit about how has your faith informed you differently now than when you were a younger parent? I think um, along with grace, I think forgiveness. Um, You have to, to learn, and as you get older and more things happen in your life, um, forgiveness has to be a big thing, and and it does remind you of you know why we're Christians. You know, God forgives us, and and if He can forgive us, then we have to forgive. So people, you know, when things go wrong in your life, which obviously we all have things that go wrong, um, you have to be able to forgive. And I think once you really, really, really forgive somebody for something, it's it's good, and you can you can you know that that God. A forgiving person because that's hard, mm-hmm. really hard. Yeah. It makes it personal. Very just, personal. Instead of just reading yeah. of his forgiveness yeah. in the Word or from yeah. somebody else, it personalizes it a little yeah. bit. Gabby, Debbie, would you all like to speak to that at all? I think just like what you guys said, that you learn to give to your children the way God gives to you and. When they make mistakes and when they do have issues, you just look at them and go, "I see myself." I, you know, I mean, I, when my mom was still alive, I would call her constantly and say, "Do you remember this conversation that we had when I was growing up?" And, you know, tell her a little bit about it. And I'd say, "Well, today I had that same conversation, but I was on the other side of the table, and it's a little bit different from that viewpoint." So um, I just called to apologize to you again for being such a brat. <laughs> and uh, so just to realize that your kids are sinners, just like 
you are and that they need grace and that they need forgiveness and they need your unconditional love. And it's it's hard, but um, we bring forth after our kind, I guess, would be a good thing to say right here because they're like us. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Well, um, the last week or two, Joel has, has talked about, uh, from the, the, the conversations in First Peter, about uh, God adopting us into his family, and we've referenced that a little bit today. And fostering and adoption uh, or adoption has been a part of, of the lives of, of, of most of the ladies here on the stage. So, um, so this question kind of speaks to that. Um, how is, has being a foster parent or uh, adopting kids impacted your, your faith journey as well? How has that been unique in your life? Well, I'll speak first. Um, like I said, I, I never planned to be a parent to begin with. And then when Hannah came into our life, that was definitely scary. Um, but I can remember, I blame Michaela, my daughter there. <laughs> she brought Hannah in, and she's, she is a great kid. Um, and I can remember her asking if Hannah could spend the night. And Hannah showed up and spent the night, and... Um, basically never went home. And uh, then when she lost her mother's and her dad um, asked us to take her, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what am I going to do with, you know, another teenage girl? Who wants that, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But, um, you know, and but it has been really good, really challenging, but um, you have to put a lot of faith. You know, and God, and, and and trust Him because you know I was still learning how to be a mom, much less that. Nelson, can you get some Kleenexes for us up here, please? One thing we forgot. That's all right. Gabby, what about you? What about your experience here recently? Wow. Um, I guess my experience with with foster care and adoption has just completely, completely affirmed um, my faith. And um, like I spent so long looking for, for a sense of purpose and you know, I always thought, for, for me, I never saw myself being a parent, um, and I always thought I would find that in a career somewhere, and then my health deteriorated, and I wound up on disability income and for the time being, and so it was a very low point for me, and um, seeking that sense of purpose, and then just one day I thought, well, I have these extra bedrooms, you know, there's kids that need them, like, I feel like you know there there should be um some kids in them so i just felt this calling to to help keep siblings together until they returned home and so um you know no sooner than the license dried on my foster care, the ink dried on my foster care license they called and said you know we have this 14 year old girl and you know she's a great girl and i thought well it's not a sibling group but I just felt like I was supposed to say yes, and so she came to me a few days before Christmas, 
which was um, terrifying and nerve-wracking because, you know, here I have this girl three days before Christmas. I have nothing prepared for her for Christmas, but uh, we made it work. And um, lo and behold, three weeks later, or less than three weeks later, they called up and said, you know, her siblings have an issue in their foster home and they're going to be moved. And can you keep them at least for a few days until we find somewhere else for them? And I said, sure. And I thought about it and I said, well, if you're okay with the girls sharing a bedroom, I would be happy to keep them so they can all be together. And so it just, you know, reaffirmed my my calling um, and what God wanted me to do in, in keeping siblings together, even though I couldn't see that in the beginning. So that was really cool. And I didn't have any intentions of adopting at all. I, I just felt called to, to foster. But um, I don't know. Sometimes God's plans are just different. And it's not something I just didn't struggle with. Debbie knows because she's kind of been my shoulder to cry on. And um, I think... The devil really uses our vulnerabilities and weaknesses to attack us. Um, and I've always struggled with self-doubt. And um, I really struggled with not feeling good enough for the kids. But um, thankfully, I was able to to make the decision um, in spite of that, that, that they are where they need to be. And so now I'm thankful that we're a forever family. Things are good. You only thought they were going to return home. Yeah. You didn't realize that you were making a home yeah. for them. Exactly. That's wonderful. Debbie, you've had a number of kids uh, that you and Joey have been able to foster the last few years. What's that experience been like for you? It's been amazing. People come up to us a lot and say, I couldn't do what you're doing. We think you're great. And I try to graciously thank them. But the rest of the story is this. Those kids that you see us with sometimes, the, the littles that we had for a month, Robert, who we had for 13 months, and the ones that we just have for a weekend, they bring so much to our home. I remember a day, January, a little over a year ago, this little blonde-haired girl skipped down my porch, and she was coming to my house for respite for the first time. I had no idea that day that that young lady, Mariah, and her family would be sitting next to me in church, serving God with me and sharing their lives with me. And that's just one of the many, many stories. But uh, fostering, we Joey and I do what they call respite. We have kids mostly just on weekends or on emergency need. But um, they always bring stories, stories that are heartbreaking, stories that make you laugh, stories that cause your heart to just melt and love them. and. We're not perfect. I'm glad you said that before we came up here. But um, we do, I, I think my motivation for taking these kids in for a weekend, for a night, or whatever, however long it is, is just to show them the love of God and pray every single time that they come that they don't just see Joey and I as fun old people, but that they see Jesus in our home and you know one thing that happens over and over again and I just look to heaven and say God thank you so much these kids for the most part when they come out of our bedrooms in the morning they go I slept better here than I've ever slept in my whole life hmm. and I just say thank you Prince of Peace for living here 
and for being in our home and for ministering to these kids even in the night while they're sleeping. So fostering is awesome. <laughs> well, you, that's a great segue to our, our next question that you just spoke to, and that is, how do you see your, your, your calling as a mom as, as somewhat of a mission? You know, Jesus calls us as his disciples to be on mission with him. And that can look differently in different ways, but I think part of that is, is being a parent. And so how do you see what you do as a mom or adopted mom or, or fostering mom or whatever? How do you see that as a mission that God has given you? I have a very self-serving philosophy on this one. I was thinking about it on the way over this morning. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a goofball. My kids will admit that. And um, so we have a lot of fun together. And um, But as Lisa and I were saying, you know, we're about to transition and our kids. So I'm glad that we've, I've spent every second with my kids being a total dork um, because I don't get that. I'm not going to get that chance for forever. So, um, like I said, it's very convenient for me to say I'd rather be a, a good mom than a good housekeeper in my some pick off into my house, you know. Um, but it'll it'll always be there. But my time with him is is limited, so um, I don't really don't know where I was going with that. But uh, <laughs> um, I've enjoyed spending time with them, and um, I guess it's going to bear more fruit to um, have children that I spend time with and hopefully grow grow good people than um, maybe have a nice clean house because that doesn't really serve anyone but me. So. Well, what I hear you saying now, that is your mission is your relationship with your kids. Moms, you don't have to clean your house today. Totally off. But yes, your mission, my mission is with my kids, and hopefully that, you know, if we put the proper time into hopefully showing them how to serve, because that's something I never did growing up. I didn't, didn't, you know, serve in the back with the kids or didn't do really anything for anybody else. But I've come into that as an adult, and I hope that maybe serving with my kids, doing some things. Um, I got to go to Kentucky with them last year on the youth mission trip, and that was awesome getting to serve alongside your children and watch them grow and watch them serve other people is is humbling and it's it's fantastic and i can't wait to go again this year um and those kids had a ball and i was glad i got to participate and do that with them it was it was a lot of fun to watch them to see how mature they are more mature than i was at their age as far as with their faith and that Mm -hmm. that's really cool great insight there what else would you all say about mission your mission as a parent Okay, I'm over choking up. So um, I think that being a mom is a mission. Um, no matter what role it is, no matter what your family looks like. And I think with, with my girls, I, we don't have the normal, traditional family by any means. Um, and I think um, teaching them to serve in whatever role that God puts you in may not be your plan of what role you thought you were going to be in, but um, just to be available and be present and take on the task and do the mission that he gives you. Mm-hmm. The mission he gives you where you are with what you have. That's great. Anybody else want to talk about that? Well, i tell you what. Uh, there's some future moms sitting out here in our audience right now. And what advice would you give to them? You shared a lot of things already that 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 kind of has to do with that. But but what else could come to your mind, maybe that uh, you would give to a future mom out there? I'll read to you a scripture that just helped me get through days and nights and ups and downs and struggles. And this is just. 
if you can have the Lord write this on the tablets of your heart and just trust him. Um, this is from Isaiah 40:11. It says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. And this next statement is, your, it's your rock. He gently leads those who are with young. Emphasis on gently. Debbie, what about you? Any advice for... Um, I, I think just be prepared for the devil to try to attack your vulnerabilities because, you know, it's like she said to me when I've had rough times that, you know, this is this is major what you're doing. Like, being a mom is is one of the most important things anybody can do on this earth. And... Um, the devil knows that, and he wants to, to sabotage it and cause chaos. And so I think seeking God and trusting God and trying to stay as close to him as possible is imperative. Great. Thank you. Advice from this side? Um, lead by example. Keep your faith a daily, you know, live by faith um, give up control because you really don't have any God's got it um, and just accept that I mean, do the best that you can do every day and be the best mom and a godly mom and um, loosen the reins hmm. well what about uh, final question here what about for, for those in the audience that may consider someday being a foster parent or an adoptive parent uh, what kind of advice would you have for, for them? I would say pray hard. <laughs> um, and, you know, if if you feel that calling to go for it because there's such a need. There's so many children that need a loving home and there's such a, a shortage of those homes available right now, especially for homes that are willing to accept the older children. Um, and they're great. I mean, for for some of us, for me, since my um, physical limitations would make it a little difficult for me to handle really young children full-time, you know, it worked great for me to have kids that are already independent. So I think um, there's definitely, there's kids out there, if you feel, feel called um, to foster or adopt, there's kids out there that are meant for your home. And um, I would just encourage you to go for it and be prepared for an adventure. It's <laughs> a roller coaster, constant. James one twenty seven says, Religion that God the Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And fostering, adopting... I think is close to the heart of God because he's adopted all of us. And my little southern Mississippi mother used to say that um, God loves us guts, feathers, and all. And the truth is this, that um, kids who come to you through fostering or through adoption, they're broken just like we are if we had our natural parents. But um, 
God's love through you and just your care and your nurturing and giving them a home where they can sleep peacefully or get a bath or have enough food to fill up their tummies that sometimes seems endless. It's just worth it. And um, I got to go to the adoption of Gabby adopting these three kids over here. And uh, I have never known the love of God like I did that day because as... The judge was saying to them, uh, Joel read us some of the things he said, or I guess he was an attorney, but as he was just making that proclamation over these kids, I just, I could hear God saying those things to me, that you're mine. It's as though I birthed you myself, and, you know, I accept you, and, and just all those things. It was so incredible and so empowering and so just I guess just settling for me to know because both my parents are gone so I'm an orphan in some ways but to know that I have really and truly not just the lyrics of a song but I have a good good father right there um, it took a lot of courage for these ladies to come up here and they were very nervous before uh, but they graciously accepted this invitation would you give them a hand as they head back to their seats Thank you guys very much. Great job. Just push the red button. There you go. And by the way, for those of you who may be interested in uh, fostering or, or adoption, uh, we have a few brochures out at the welcome table there from uh, Bethany Christian Services who... Uh, uh, provides these opportunities, so if you're interested in more, you can you can check that out there as well. So, uh, wow, great stories. Uh, I think you you saw God's heart from these ladies this morning, uh, and I want to end by by going back to First Peter for just a minute. Chapter two, verse nine says, "You are a people of God's own possession, so that you." may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. So whether you're a mom, a dad, a teenager, retired, married, or single, we all have the same mission, to call people out of darkness into His marvelous light. To take those who are not a people and to help them become the people of God. And that's the gospel. That while we were born in sin, separated from God, and not a people, He sent His only Son to die for us, to take away our sins, to take away that separation. So that by believing in Jesus, we could be called the sons and daughters of God and therefore become the people of God. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. And thanks be to God for our moms. Will you pray with me? Lord, we give you thanks. We thank you for, for letting us see a glimpse of your heart through others, through our moms. 
We praise you that you loved us so much that you sent your son that we may be adopted into your family. Um, Lord, we need you. We ask that we, we sense your joy and we celebrate that calling. We celebrate that mission. We celebrate your heart today as we lift up the name that is above every name, Jesus. And it's in that name we pray. Amen. I'll confess as a parent of young children um, uh, to sit and listen to these ladies. And-